appraiser, when you hire an appraiser, generally, typically, they know what you're looking for, right? So if, uh, if two people are hiring an appraiser and they both split the bill, then they're looking for the most equitable number they're looking for. If an investor does it, you know, and it's his house, then they're pretty much going to know, you know, I'd like as much as possible. And we have an appraiser that goes out to pretty much every one of our, you know, the same appraiser goes to every house. And then um, what that appraisal does is absolutely amazing because it's third person that has a license on the line that's going to try and give you, try and give you as much as he can without breaking any laws, right? You don't want to lose his license. And, uh, Welcome to the Freedom Chasers podcast, where we bring you interviews and discussions that share the stories, successes, goals, and dreams of real estate agents and real estate investors pursuing a life of purpose and freedom. All right, guys, today we have on Michael Menino. He is a fifth degree black belt, a U.S. Open champion when it comes to breaking the bricks. He is a carpenter, a builder. He's finished gorgeous homes. He's leveraged that in the crash to start flipping homes, went out and spent a lot of money on coaching. That transformed him into a flipping monster. This dude has done like 25, 30 homes for quite a number of years, has made a lot of money and has all kinds of cool stories to tell, including how he built the house in six days. But I don't want to steal your thunder, Michael. If you'll take us in, how, like, what is your craziest real estate transaction or experience you faced? Uh, craziest real estate transaction? Um, there, I, I mean, you have, I got about 20 of them. So I, I don't know the craziest real estate transaction. Uh, a couple of them, we, we, um, we wholesaled an apartment complex and a, uh, and a storage facility and made, you know, a, a, a couple hundred thousand dollars in a day. That's a great couple hundred thousand dollars in a day. Yeah. Wow. Um, like a couple of times. Like, like, okay. So I don't, I don't know your particular situation. So I don't know if your wife's in the business. I know you've been married 32 years, which is epic, yes. but like, did you, like, if she's not in the business, like, what was it like? Did you tell her that day? What was the conversation like? How'd you deliver the news to your family? It's my, my son's my partner and he, he finds, oh, cool. he finds a deal. So I, I'm not telling my son anything special to be completely honest with you. Um, my wife's seen me do a lot of things and I hate to say this. She's so like, yeah, that's my husband. It's, yeah. it's, you know, when I, the first time I won the U S open, you know, I brought home the trophies to my son I, and I go, Hey, you know, I won, I won the U S open. And he's like, no, you didn't. I said, look at the trophy. It says U S open on first place. And he looked at it and you know, wow. You know, like I, I kind of, I've been, I've been blessed to have uh, just great things happen in my life. And, uh, and, uh, it's just been, it's just been crazy. It, the, the the wholesaling deals on on things was just just the icing on the cake for us. It really. Okay. I, I don't know how else to explain it. Okay, I need to dive into some things here because we generally don't believe that success happens on accident. So I'm going to try and do a Michael autopsy here right now. Like you're succeeding in a lot of different arenas, which means that you've got things about your mindset, you've got practices that are universally workable like they're universally successful right like break it down like do you are you aware of what those are or let's go on a deep dive and find them if not well let's go with the big picture so um uh to be completely honest with you i know that the architect of the universe is on my side so if you walk around with a mindset that the architect of the universe the architect of the universe is on your side it's really hard to fail it really is hard to fail um, I've done some, you know, like people come up to me and say, you know, Hey, I, you know, I heard you're building. I want to, I want to build a crazy pastor comes up to me and goes, God wants me to build a house in six days. I'm like, all right, what do you do for a living? I'm a pastor. <laughs> what you do before you're a pastor? I was a bartender. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not kidding. I couldn't make this stuff up. And then he said, uh, I goes, got in. He goes, yeah. And I said, well, I'm in until he's out. And then uh, Life Remodel formed that year, and uh, they've been, you know, they've been rocking it and helping out. They started off with building a house a year, and then they got to building a house and then um, beautifying 53 blocks in downtown Detroit. So it really is absolutely amazing. And the real secret, my, my secret is knowing that the architect of the universe is on my side and that surrounding myself with great people. Just surround yourself with great people. That's really the key. I'm sure you heard this a thousand times. And the greatest gifts I can give anybody every time when I speak, I'll not stop saying this till the day I die, 
is uh, know your enemy as you know yourself. You need not fear a hundred battles. Sung Su, the art of war. The biggest mm -hmm. misconception in that, in that statement, and this is the part that I try to bring to the table, is a lot of people don't know them. Know your enemy as you know yourself. If you know your enemy and you know yourself with your strengths and weaknesses are, then you need not fear a hundred battles. But knowing yourself is most people's biggest problem. And I'm sure you'd have to agree with yeah. me on that. So oh, I know my, I know I know my strengths. An I know extensive my amount of work, yeah. Yeah, I know my strength. I know my yeah. weaknesses. And I work within my strengths. Who's your enemy? Who's my enemy? I don't have enemy. Oh, there, there's one big enemy. The, you know, the architect, you know, I, because I chose his side, <laughs> there is an enemy out there. There is an enemy out I see. there. But I if, see. You, if you have him on your side, you know, I, the U.S. Open, I went out there and uh, I took God with me. The past crazy pastor goes, hey, you know, take God with you on things. I took him with me to the Arnold Schwarzenegger Sports Festival in 2011. And uh, I, I got first and second. And then um, there's a great story in there too. But uh, I asked the guy, hey, when's the next uh, event? And he goes, US Open. I'm like, all right, let's do this. Let's do it. So clearly you have a positive attitude. Let's break in. The architect of the universe is on your side. Break it down for us. Like, how does that translate into, I have no fear of risk. I have no fear of challenge. I have all of these things. Like, what's, what's the osmosis process? I love your guys' question. That's why I'm on your podcast. That is a great question. Well, you know, if there's an enemy, you know, the enemy, what, are, what are God's tool? Love, um, faith, uh, all kinds of um, positive aspects, you know, a positive outlook. But so positive. You know, God never said, God never said, go try this or, go. you know, when he talks to me, it's go do this. Go do this. And usually this is legally insane. Go break bricks at the U.S. Open. Go fly a fighter jet. Go build a house in six days. You know, go save a girl from a burning fire. Now, all of those are terrifying for most people. But if, if, you, know that, if you know that God's on your side, you'll do them. Does that make sense? And if the enemy, the enemy shows up too, the enemy talks too. Don't, here's, here, look, this, people can relate if they're not believers in this. I was at the U.S. Open, or the Arnold Schwarzenegger Sports Festival in 2011. And I was getting ready to break. And I heard the voice in the back of your head. You're not good enough. You can't do this. You can, you cannot show up for your event. You can just not, uh, you can fake an injury. You want to know something? I agreed with him at that point. Yeah. Yeah. I, it's like the devil and the angel, right? On the shoulder. In the wrong spot. I do not belong. Yeah. You know, and everybody's heard that voice, you know, and here's, here's, this is probably the antithesis of my life. This is a pivotal point in my life. I set up the bricks for this, for this event. I've never broken a two-inch brick before that day. I go there and I ask the guy, I said, hey, where are the bricks? He goes, over there. And I go, um, how many, you know, how many? He goes, five hand, 10 foot. I said, give me 15. I went over there, I came back, those are two-inch bricks. He goes, yeah. I said, I've never broken a two-inch brick. You got any one-inch bricks? He looks me dead in the eye and said, hey, man, this is a pro level. I'm like, oh. I'm in the wrong spot. <laughs> I, never, yeah, I never went outside a local regional event, local, local, regional, um, state, uh, re another region. So the bigger region, so a quad of the United States and then, you know, the United States and then international is Canada, United States and Mexico. Then there's world, right? I broke it a low, I used to win at local events. So now I'm at the Arnold Schwarzenegger Sports Festival, a regional event. And then I, uh, the bricks were stacked up. And I hear, I hear, I set up eight bricks. And then I hear a little voice in my head. Now, mind you, the enemy was talking to me the whole time. I just, I just did what he said. I saw another kid pray and I said, hey, he can't do that. And he goes, the guy, looked, the guy that ran the place looked at me, looked back, looked, looked at me, looked back. And goes, there's nothing in the rule says you can't do that. And I knew God pretty well about that. And uh, I go, I can do it. He goes, yeah, no, now it's not fair for you. <laughs> I'm completely okay with this. And there's these just Neanderthal. I'd have to show you a picture. Guy was flexing his arm. His upper bicep was bigger than my head. These guys were circus freaks. He was in the heavyweight. I was in the lightweight. And then I'm talking to him and I'm like, hey, 
you know, how do you do this? How do you do this? And he's like, let me see your technique. Oh, I got to do this. You got to do it zero to, six, zero to 100. You got to do this. That, go right through it. You know, don't think about it. Push through it. You know, and he goes, you're doing good. You're doing good. Don't do it. I get up to my event. I stack up eight two-inch bricks. Haven't broke a two-inch brick before that day. Right? And then I hear, I hear a voice in my head. And it says, put the ninth one down. I'm like, I've argued with God many times. Really? 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 It's not enough. It's not, that's not 16. Yeah. This is immense. not enough for you. It's not. And then I've argued with him many times. Never works out. I've always lost. And every time he asks me to do something, and I don't do it. I lose something. All those stories you get yeah. are from me doing what he asked me to do. Legal insanity. Yeah. So I put them, I go, okay. I go, Hey, can I, can I put another brick on? They said, yeah, you got 30 seconds. I'm like, I'm great. You know, what does it matter past eight, right? <laughs> so I put the ninth mm -hmm. one down. Uh, I get up there. I said, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. I go, you want me to take you with me? I go, let's go for a ride. Jumped up in the air, broke nine of nine. I've got the video on my uh, YouTube channel, Michael Menino at Mike, Kill at Mike Killers 007. I'm telling you, nobody was more surprised than me that they all broke. Nine of yeah. nine. So let's, let's dive into this a little bit, right? I mean, cause this kind of wrestles with, with a couple different concepts. It wrestles with the concept of faith. It wrestles with the concept of preparation, et cetera. So Alex Hermosi, uh, comes out with something. He's like the most successful people in the world or the people that have like a, a sense of discipline and patience, but an unbelievable desire to know, like, you know, that they could do things like, like, it's kind of like an imposter syndrome mixed with like a belief in themselves that shouldn't be had mixed with like discipline in an area. So you sounds like the, the faith that permeates you from your relationship with God is one that you could do all things, particularly if God is speaking that to you. Right. So that gives you that component, but what level of preparation is happening? Like, is it just pure faith? Like you show up and bam, or is it really like a combination of, of disciplined action and, and faith? Oh, you, you I, God, I love your questions, man. You, you ask the right questions. So it's both. Um, faith gets you past the fear. You know, God's never said, go try this, or, you know, you might be able to do this. So I, I can do anything I want. My biggest problem right now is I don't have imagination. What's, I wait for people to come up to me with crazy ideas, like insane ideas. I'm like, ah, that sounds great. Let's do it. And uh, people like the motivation and the, um, the drive, you know, but being a fourth, being a fifth degree black belt, you don't get that by, by not being yeah. disciplined. I mean, going to martial arts every other day for 20 years and doing things. The first thing they ask you to do is throw a front kick. Nobody does a great front kick the first day. And then after that semester, you can do a decent front kick. Then they ask you to do a roundhouse and the, then a side kick and a spin side kick. Then you get up to green belt. They tell you to do a jump reverse spin side kick which is horrible when you do it the first couple of times, right? By the time you get done with that semester, you're like, I can do it. I'm not doing it great, right? Then at Black Belt, they ask you to do a hurricane kick, which is a, a triple axe kick. And uh, that seems impossible, but so are the other kicks. So are all the other kicks and then you do it, right? So just doing something repetitively makes you good at it. It's all there is to it. You don't have to be perfect. You just have to be good. Yeah. Yeah. And so your entry into the real estate world was through carpentry, through woodworking. Yes. So what were some of the obvious and maybe not so obvious, preferably benefits of coming in the world with that experience? And what were some of the things that, that actually made it harder for you to be successful that your coach had to uncoach you in? Man, you asked that. I, I love your questions. I asked, I can't, I'm going to be, I'm going to be telling everybody about you for the rest of my life. So great <laughs> thank you. So the, the, the obvious, no, seriously, dead serious. I, I don't say things I don't mean. The obvious, the obvious, um, answers to those are, so when I'm in the trades, I know how long it takes to do something. So that's what helped me set a schedule for 450 volunteers to put a house together. I know it can take you 45 minutes to hang an upper cabinets if you have two people. But if you got one people, it takes you three hours. Ergonomics is the study of man working. And the best way to describe it is one person can get two parts wood, 
So for fires and building a house, and two parts food per day if he works all day, right? Two people can get five parts food and six parts wood. People working together can hmm. get more done. Does that make sense? Yeah. That's, yeah. We're working in, in a similar vision in tandem. Right. The, the, exactly. Exactly. So I need three people to do this. And I know two people to do this. And if I get these two people in front of the three people, this job's harder than this job. Right? So these guys will fly and they'll follow them. So turning a construction of a house into a, um, into a production line is really what it taught me. Now, what did my coaches have to unlearn? That. <laughs> so <laughs> it really, it was, you know, it was, it was a learning and uh, building up and tearing down. Um, the coaches really just showed coaching is, I'm going to tell you from the greatest standpoint in the world, I've spent hundreds of thousands of dollars on coaching and I got a deal. I got the deal. Yeah. Okay. Like I said, at first we started flipping houses. Um, we we're doing one, two, three, four. We got to four a year. We joined seven figure flipping from Bill Allen. I'm going to give him some credit. And, uh, that, that changed our life. We paid a lot of money. I'm not going to tell you how much, but we paid a lot of money to join that. And my, uh, my son was, my son is my partner and was my partner at the time. And he didn't want to do it. It's a lot of money. And I said, dude, if I could learn in a year, what I learned for the 30 years of construction, it's a no brainer. It absolutely is a no brainer. One idea they had one idea. My son said, let's get an appraisal on every property we got done with. So we finished it, staged it, looks great. Send an appraiser in there. I go, I don't want to spend the $400. You're a realtor. I'm the builder. You can do a CMA, right? He goes, yeah. I go, he goes, Let, let's try this one time. $400. Because Becca Mix did this on all her properties. We did it on that property. We're going to sell it for 100 and 125. The appraiser came in, found extra square footage, found an extra room. Uh, we ended up selling it for $145,000. So we made $25,000 that paid for the course, that one idea. Now in our standardized okay. pricing sheet, that's our, that's our exactly. second from last thing. Get an appraisal, get the pictures, sell it. Okay, I want to dive into this because I might be guilty of this same thing. So as a student now of this, of this idea, when you call the appraiser, is it just, hey, I need an appraisal on ABC Street? Or is it, hey, Mr. Appraiser, I'm about ready to sell this house and I want to sell it for as much money as possible. So therefore, can you do everything in your power within reason, right? Being respectful to the fact that, you know, we're going to be getting this information out. But can you give me the most amount of value possible? Tell me how to fix it up. Like, how do you order the appraisal? Uh, great. Another great question. So the actuality is that you don't, um, when appraiser, when you hire an appraiser, Generally, typically, they know what you're looking for, right? So if uh, if two people are hiring their appraiser and they both split the bill, then they're looking for the most equitable number they're looking for. If an investor does it, you know, and it's his house, then they're pretty much going to know, you know, I'd like as much as possible. And we have an appraiser that goes out to pretty much every one of our, you know, the same appraiser goes to every house. And then um, what that appraisal does is absolutely amazing because it's third person that has a license on the line that's going to try and give you try and give you as much as he can without breaking any laws, right? You don't want to lose his license. And uh, whenever someone comes up and says, so your house is not worth it, you know, here's third person party. And we, we usually leave the appraisal in the house so that when the appraisal comes in for the bank, they can either take it and look at it. So their job's pretty much done. All they have to do is change the, change the name on the person list, right? So... It, it makes everybody, it makes everything easier and it, it just works out better. And it gives us a better understanding of what I, we thought the ARV would be at the beginning versus what it actually is at the end. So, so you made as much money on that one thought process, on that one decision as one you, as, as much as you paid on the program, right? How much do you think that's made you over the course of your career since that point? The, the stupid factor? The, not the knowing, what, not knowing what to do? You know, yeah. just guessing like, what the number is. Yeah, yeah. yeah probably at least two, two hundred to five hundred thousand dollars. Wow, easy. Wow, wow. To twenty, so twenty thousand on one deal. All I need is ten deals. That we were that yeah. far off on is two hundred grand. Right. So two to five hundred thousand dollars, easy. And and selling twenty to thirty properties a year for a decade plus, I mean, incalculable. 
Yeah. Uh, well, let's keep this train rolling. Like you spent over a hundred thousand dollars in coaching. Like what are some of the nuggets that, that we could drop on the audience? If you've made a decision out of fear, you've probably made the wrong one. Okay. All right. I'm going to have to go into that one too. So basically every time that you make the decision that fear wants you to make is almost always the wrong decision. I would, I would say, I'd say a hundred percent, but you can never say a hundred percent in real estate. <laughs> so then let's follow that where it goes. So you make, so you have fear. It comes upon you. How do you navigate the fear then to find the right decision? Another great question. Another great question. Uh, dude, that's the, that's the question of this whole interview. That's the question. Fear is going to come upon you. Fear is a part of this, this, uh, this world. I do some public speaking, and this is what I speak on. What is fear? Yeah, I'll try and answer it if, you're, if you'll let me and then correct me here. My understanding of fear is it's your body's desire to keep homeostasis. It's your body's desire to keep things the same. It it's, it's doesn't want a negative outcome. That's my, my understanding of fear. Okay. So um, in this physical world, whatever you say it is, it is. You know, uh, your, your mind controls the universe that you, you speak into existence. I don't have time to get into that, but um, quantum physics proves this fact. What you think will... So it shall become. Now, if you think that's what fear is, that's what fear is to you. What I've learned over the process is a lot of times when I do public speaking, what is fear? What is fear? What is fear? A false analogy being real. This is this. This is this. I always get somebody. It's usually a little, you know, like a little girl at GM and this little girl in the front row. She's an engineer. She goes, fear keeps you safe. And I said, hmm. I know, right? And I go, no. And I go, no. Here's the problem. Fear... People, the biggest problem is people confuse fear with danger. Fear is really a figment of your imagination. You have to create it. It only exists in the eight inches between your ears. Right? It only exists there. This table has no fear. Your desk behind you has no fear. Your whiteboard behind you has no fear. These trophies have no fear. Nothing in this universe has fear. You are the only one that can create fear. Does that make sense? For you, you're the only one that can create fear. The problem is people confuse fear and danger. If I'm standing at the edge of a cliff, I'm looking over the edge. Danger is prevalent in this world, right? Danger is prevalent. Losing money, losing your life, breaking something, uh, loss in this world. Danger is prevalent. But the fear of that event is not helpful at all. I agree, 100%. But the answer to your question the answer to your question, with all that said, the answer to your question is, what do you do when fear comes upon you? You know what you have to do? You know what you have to do? Absolutely nothing. Just wait. And then it'll just pass. That's all you have so to do. Breaking, breaking this down, you, you know you want a better life. You know you want a life of freedom. You're thinking about making your first investment. Fear comes upon you, right? What can go wrong? All that kind of stuff. So you sit there. And then do you pick the thoughts up the next day? Well, like, do you put on some music? Well, I, so I, I'm a little different than most. I mean, there's not a lot in this world that can scare me. Um, I'm a little different. I'd love for everybody to be like me, but I, I mean, I, I'd have to show them how to do it. What happens when, when, um, you have an investment, your first investment, you're terrified to do it. What is, okay. If we're going to talk about what fear is, what is bravery? Listen, yeah, take, really, take, take us into it. Oh, oh what's bravery? My best guess at bravery, oh, maybe it's the absence of fear. Um, I'm going to go with the absence of fear. Most people, <laughs> I love you. <laughs> Everybody says the exact same thing. And that's what I said until recently. You know what the actuality is? Bravery is being afraid and doing it anyways. Ah, all right. Love it. Being, doing that investment anyways. So what you're going to fall, even if you fall, especially when you're younger, so what if you fall, you lose a couple bucks, Right. You learn not to do that again. You know, if you punch yourself in the face, you learn not to punch myself in the face anymore. But then you learn something from it. Here's the one thing I learned about in the U.S. Open when I when I competed a lot is uh, I was always the guy to beat for a period of time. I'm old now. I can't do it. I can do it, but I'm not that good anymore. Um, 
I wouldn't have to do anything to, the, to scare the people around me. All I had to do is show up. Right? Like, oh, he's here. You should see, you should see the looks on her face. Oh, damn, Mike showed up. <laughs> right. I got a video on my channel. It's me breaking a brick, and the, the guy was I broke nine of nine of nine of ten, or I think ten of eleven. I forget what it was. And the guy was winning at that time. And then as soon as he saw me break, he goes, oh. you know. But he was he was yeah. he only broke six. He didn't put up enough. He broke six of six. He should have put up ten. You know what I mean? He should have tried more than he thought he could do. But he only did what he thought he could do. And he was right. Yeah. You know. Another, here's another nugget. Uh, this is the greatest words uttered outside, I've ever heard outside the Bible. Whether you say you can or cannot, you're right either way. Yeah. Yeah, which goes along with the quantum theory of what you speak into existence becomes reality. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So that being said, all right, so let's talk about goal setting for a second. With the mindset that all things are real when spoken to existence, what do you speak into existence? And how then do you wrestle what you speak into existence with how you feel like the architect of the universe is guiding you? Well, yeah, you got to do Your questions are perfect. So what is, you know, if you, if you want to know somebody, when you're, when you're doing interactions, you're doing deals with people, you want to, you know, you want to put yourself in their position. Why do they want to sell this house? Why do they want to sell this property? Why, what can we do to make this work? Right. You're trying to, if you want to know the person, Put yourself in their position, right? So what does God want for us? God just wants us to play. This is a, this is a short-term mission trip, about 80, 90 years. We can do anything we want, right? There's no, especially in America, we have almost zero limits. Just do what you want. So we want you to do good and help out other people. Do what you want, have fun, have fun and help people. So one of my coaches said, when you're reaching to pull yourself up in a financial situation, have your other hand back to pull somebody else up. Yeah, I love the one hand up, one hand down. Oh, we just we just talked about that on a podcast earlier today. So, why real estate? Like again, when you could do everything, why not cure cancer? Like, like is it just that real estate is fun, or so exactly? So, how I lead my life, I can't tell anybody else to lead their life, is work with your gifts. You know, your gifts are your gifts. And uh, God leads me by love. So if I love doing something, I do that. You know, I could probably make more money doing, you know, anything else, curing cancer, doing stuff like that. But I don't love science. I love building and creating. I love flipping. I love, you know, uh, I won an award, Detroit Home Magazine, second place for staircases, you know, because I, I love competing. You know, martial arts taught me how to compete. That's how I got into the U.S. Open is, you know, um, helping somebody else out. This one little one little black belt girl, uh, girl of mine was, you know, I want to go to the Arnold Schwarzenegger Sports Festival. I'm like, I don't. <laughs> I don't want to get up at 4 o'clock in the morning and drive to Cleveland, Ohio, and then compete, you know, for all that. It doesn't sound like fun to me, but I ended up doing it because I was trying to help somebody else out. And it changed my life dramatically. Absolutely amazing. Now, when you're talking about goal setting, you know, I, I don't really, I don't goal set. And I know that's it's probably counterproductive for most people, but my definition of success is to be successful in everything I do, right? I got two great kids. I got a great wife I've been married for 32 years. I got several great businesses. I got great business partners. I got great contractors. Um, I, I got Olivia, uh, the girl that runs most of our companies. <laughs> I love this girl. She's like my second daughter. My daughter doesn't like real estate. Olivia, my second daughter, loves real estate. So, uh, God leads me to love. I want to, you know, I, I do what I like to do. You know, the, the, I love the name of your uh, podcast, um, Freedom Chasers. I'm, I'm free. I don't have a nine to five. I get up when I want. I do what I want. I just sold a big, beautiful house in Michigan. And I've, uh, I parked on the Gulf of Mexico. So it's, it's, I'm here and I'm, I'm very thankful and blessed to be where I'm at right now. I really enjoyed my time in Detroit. I went there in July, got to go to a ball game and hang out with some great people. The mansions there are pretty cool. We did a little bit of driving around. Like, yeah. would be curious to get your take. I'm sure you probably worked on some of those. I have. I have. Some of those Detroit mansions. Like, what's been your favorite project out there? Favorite project? 5R Energy. You know what 5R Energy, guys? 
His name's Manoj. Uh, Manoj and Sadhana. Five-hour energy. You know the energy shots? Five-hour energy. Oh, yeah, 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 of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Five-hour energy. The guy that uh, yeah. holds it, Manoj. Great guy. He was a monk for like seven years. Uh, we're working on his house. I, it, it probably wasn't the biggest house. It was 12,000 square feet, had an elevator. I just enjoyed that. I just enjoyed hanging out with him and talking. He's a billionaire, right? And we talk about, it, it was just enjoyable. He goes, I want to do this. I'm like, all right, let's do that. You know, let's, and, and it was, there was, there was no, it was just a perfect client to work with, right? And then uh, one day they were standing there and they're really absolutely amazing people. I cannot speak enough highly, highly about them. Manoj standing next to his wife and uh, I said, hey, you, you know, you had to make some enemies being a billionaire. Right? You just, you think. You think you know, so. The concept yeah, yeah. of money, you know, and yeah. business, you, you had to make some enemies. And he goes, no, I really, I really, no, I don't, you know, I don't think I had any enemies. And then he goes like this. <laughs> Points to his wife. <laughs> and then she looks at him, looks back at me, she goes, that's my line. <laughs> Got it. So it was just a, it was a fun experience, you know. And uh, I, mean, I made a good, we made, you know, all my guys and everybody working on the property made good, good buck. Money wasn't an issue, and uh, just a great experience. Yeah, but the mansions are the mansions are cool. I even got some on my YouTube channel. This just a, a bunch of breaking and and some uh, some carpentry. I did some cool. I really enjoyed this, you know. Cool, crazy stuff. Secret rooms is my specialty. Like, if you want, oh in, no way! Yeah. Oh, we we got to talk offline, and I want to see some pictures and some ideas. We've got a couple secret rooms. I don't even know if I should be saying it because they're secret, but we don't we want to build a, a few things. Exactly right. Um, and maybe they're not even at our house, right? I won't even say what properties you want to build them at, but yeah. um, I can help with that. Love that. Okay, cool. Would love to talk to you about that. So I want to get back into this element of you do what you love, you go where you go. I mean, it almost kind of has like, you know, you mentioned the Bible a lot. Obviously, that's a big part of your life. It kind of has like a Holy Spirit type feel, right? It goes where the wind blows type of thing. So kind of give me an idea of like, when do you know you're on or off course? Or is there not, not a, such a thing as off course? Your, your, your questions are perfect. How do you know you're doing what God wants you to do? And, and yeah. the best way to, to describe it for me, did you ever just beat your head against the wall on something that you wanted to do? Yeah. Okay, that's probably not what God wants you to do. With right. great struggle and exactly. effort. Great struggle and effort, I've done yeah. things, right? And then there's just the easy path. You know, where my gifts, you know, the, the stuff he's giving me, dealing with people, leadership, um, just being a psychopath. People just seem to enjoy me being a psychopath. Uh, <laughs> they, they seem to just enjoy it. And if I'm, if I'm not, if I'm in a meeting with people that want me to be a businessman, I'm probably in the wrong meeting. Mm. Does that make sense? So yeah. that's how God leads me for, with love. You know, I love doing this or I don't love doing this. I mean, I'm in a different position. I worked my butt off for years, but you know, putting up wood and then showing people how to put up wood and then having them put up wood and then build my own house and then build somebody else's and build another house for myself. And you know, here's another, here's another gift, uh, for your, for your audience. Um, the last two houses I moved out of, I, I built them and there was a large sum of money in there from what I built and what I sold it for. I waited two years and I've made on the last two houses, I probably made $300,000 each house in two years, and one of them I was in there for four years, tax-free. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The tax-free part is amazing. So you, you lived in them for two years? I lived in a big, beautiful house on the water in Lake Orion, and I lived in a big, beautiful house on yeah. the, in a lake in Lake Oakland in Michigan. And then I sold them, and uh, the tax man did not come in. That's it. Oh, I love the tax strategies. But I want to hit you with a hard question, because obviously you, you do a lot of self-awareness work. How do you know the difference between I'm just doing what I want to do and I'm doing what God wants me to do. Ooh, it, for me, it's each, each person's journey is different in this world. And it's really, you have to, you have to figure it out yourself. But for me, um, I've, I've been blessed with great partners and I've, I've never had anything where I've, 
anybody steal money or lost anything. It's just been just a great partnership. My son's my partner. I got this partner, Adam. I got Olivia. And once you get this synergy, all right, just, just keep it going. Stoke this fire. This, do, do your part of this job, right? And if you, if you put the right person in the right seat, and then you're in your right seat, and then he's in his right seat, man, it just flows. It just goes. And just keep it going. Hard times are coming. I mean, I'm pretty sure everybody knows that now. And that's, that's one thing I do want to talk to you about. I want to try and warn your uh, listeners what's coming because I've been through the 08 crash. And I, you know, my coach, one of my coaches tells me he had a $50 million seminar. That means he lost $50 million in 09 and 10. And I lost $6,000 in those times. Wow. So let's talk about the crash. Let's talk about some strategies if that does happen. And then let's talk about how do you balance that with fear? I want, I want every interview to, that I'm in to study your questions. So I'm <laughs> Thank you, man. I try and study other people's questions. <laughs> you do a great job. Um, what counteracts fear in business? You know, fear in, in life, you know, if someone, if someone comes up, I'm going to kick your butt. I'm like, all right. <laughs> I, it, it, when you get into each belt, you know, for my second degree, I had to hire third and fourth degree people to kick my butt. And the fourth degree is hiring fifth and sixth degree guys to kick my butt. Does that make sense? So I have to hire someone better totally. than me to challenge me. So I don't really think about, you know, I, I don't consider, you know, fear. What I'm doing now, let's, let's say what I'm doing now. So been through the way crash and it was, it was horrible. There's a, not a, there's a lot of real estate investors out right now that haven't been through it. They've been in the last 10 years and just floating on easy street. Just killed it. They're yep. killing it. Right? Now they don't know what's coming. And I really want to warn people. So in 08, in 07, third quarter of 07, what happened was stocks dropped, right? And they kept dropping until it was 50%. I think it was at 12. I forget what it was. S&P was at 12 and it went down to six, right? Um, first thing, stocks started dropping. Second thing, layoffs started happening. And then after layoffs happened, unemployment went up. And in Michigan, the the place where you went to go to the thing, go to the baseball game. Uh, Michigan had a 15% unemployment. Detroit had a 25% unemployment, right? Michigan's it's harder than most company, most uh, states because it's a car company. And the first thing to go when, you, when, when times go bad is you can't buy a new car, right? So that, that hit first. So Michigan hit, goes in first and last one out. Um, after unemployment went up, then it became the foreclosures. And there was foreclosure after foreclosure. And people were having foreclosure parties, eviction parties. They'd destroy a house, right, before they left, right? And then um, time went by. You know, remember what I said when fear happens, what do you do? Absolutely. Let it pass. Just yeah. let it pass. Let the feeling pass. I, I've got an airplane story on that, too. Um, letting it pass. That's where, that's where I learned it. Um, time just went by. I had nothing to do. I had my guys were, uh, I had great guys, great finished carpenters, great finished carpenters. I didn't want to lose them, you know? So I had to keep work for them. There was no building in Oakland County. There was five new bills that year. It was just insane. And he goes, this one trust, uh, trust friend of mine, um, ended up becoming a mayor because he couldn't sell any trusts. Um, I just wanted to keep my guys busy. A friend of mine said, Hey man, you want a house for $15,000? I got an idea. We'll, we'll fix it up. Right? So we started yeah. throwing my guys in there, fix it up. And then he goes, Hey man, you want another house for $30,000? I'm like, yeah, you want another house for 45? Yeah. And I just kept my guys busy and it was still slow. I mean, there was a month where I didn't pay them, you know, and everybody was hurting at that time. And then, uh, I got, I got another house, got another house, ended up with a four or five. And then we rented them out. And my strategy back then was to buy them rehab them, rent them out until times got better. And then I'd make more money. The, the two that I bought for 15, I sold for hundred and 125. And I probably should, I didn't, I didn't have that idea. Do the appraisal. I, yep. I want to punch myself in the face for not doing yeah. it. Now that I know better, right? That was my biggest mistake. I didn't appraise them. And then I ended up uh, renting them out for four or five years and then just selling them off. And I made a ton of money, right? So that's, that's where I made a, a good chunk of change. 
um, that thing is that same sequence is going to happen again, right? How bad is really the question. Does that make sense? How bad is really the yeah. question? I know I, I had a, my business partner was telling me about David, David Gardner was talking about, um, this one flipper that we have in Michigan, I'm not going to mention his name. Uh, and he said, uh, Hey, how's it going? You know, we're looking, both looking at, they were both looking in a house together and he said, uh, we're on the operating table and we're bleeding out. Yeah. That's recently. Yeah. Like in the last two weeks. Yeah. Oh, so, this is what's coming. What level before 08? I don't, I can't give you, I can't give you just yet. Give me about, I'd say about two to three more months, um, depending what the government does. Now, now let's, let's talk about this though, because it was in the last recession where people were bleeding that flipping became your friend. He's bleeding in a, now, I mean, the market hasn't dropped yet and obviously homes are not 15,000 anymore, but like, talk me through why is he bleeding if he's a flipper in, in a time where we're coming into a recession? Okay. Remember I told you Michigan's the first one in the last one out. Yeah. Okay. We haven't lost money in any of our houses because we buy low, right? I think we've lost a couple in the last six to eight months and we had two appraisals. Remember I said, I get an appraised. One appraisal for one house is $174,000. We ended up selling it for $125,000. That was one we lost money on, right? We got it appraised before the interest rates jumped to 7%, right? Right. And so you're working off, we're working on bad data. Well, it, it wasn't bad data. It was timing. Yeah. Does it make sense? There's well, yeah, I mean, bad data because the time changed the data, right? Like the current market is not the same as when they appraised. Exactly. So it, time, so another gift I want to give your, your listeners is, um, what percent of, what percent of success is timing? So there's this one gentleman, I, I wanted to go watch it before I, I, uh, I saw you and he had five metrics on success and he studied, he started hundreds of companies and he, uh, he studied the big ones, right? The big ones. And he goes, why did this one win and this one lost? So he put five metrics together and I'm going to screw this up. Go see the Ted talk. I wish I could remember who the guy was, put it in here. And, uh, he said the five metrics were the idea, timing, uh, the crew financing and something else. And he said, 90% of it at the beginning goes 90% had to be the idea. The weight has to go heavy to the idea. And then he studied all the companies that succeeded. Why did MySpace fail? Why did Facebook succeed? Right? Why did Uber, there was, there was competition with Uber. Why did Uber succeed and the other one fail? And then he goes, well, it wasn't the idea because both of them had the same idea. Right? So then he goes, it had to be the crew, the people you put together, your, your, you know, your crew. And he goes, you know, then they all pretty much had the same crew. And then he said financing, because, you know, if you got a great idea and then it, it comes out and starts hitting, you don't have enough money for it, boom, you're dead. Right? So he goes, and he goes, no, there's always white knights. You know, there's always people that want to make money. You know, money's never been an issue. And that was one of our, that was one of my coaches that said, um, money's never the issue. And that was one of the things I had to get over. Um, and then he said, uh, Timing, he had to put at 40%. So the Fed matrix, you got 20% each matrix. Timing is 40%, double of what any other one would be. And then I started looking back in my life and I went, yeah, I bought those houses when times were bad. And I sold them when times were good. I sold these two big, beautiful houses that I just built when times are good. If I try and sell them when they were bad, you know, when times are bad. That's where I really think the architect of the universe, you know, I'm, I'm really struggling right now, struggling. That's a horrible word. I'm, I'm having a hard time getting my traction here in Florida. I moved from Michigan to Florida and I'm, I just can't seem to get, there's some deals popping up and I'm trying to get them and they're selling before I get to them. And I know what area are you in? Huh? Pardon? What area of Florida? Uh, just outside of Tampa. I don't want to be in the city. I'm not a city guy, so I'm kind of an outskirts. It's about a half hour, 45 minutes from downtown Tampa. 
and uh, I'm trying to I'm trying to get some traction here, and I know what to do, and I got a great system, everything's working out. I got I got Olivia on my side, and I just can't seal the deal. And I know it's God saying, "Sit down and shut up for a minute, buddy." Let's just let's yeah. just wait and see what's happening. And so I'm sitting yeah. on a little bit of money. I'm one of those guys that's sitting on money waiting for the good deal. Smart. And so essentially, a lot of what guides your principles, kind of tying back into the original questions, is the fact that when things are light versus heavy. Like you feel like you're being guided by God, like things are easy, things are light when it's, when it's what he wants. And then when things get heavy, it's not. Um, yes, with a caveat. Yes, with a caveat to that. So breaking a brick is hard. And when I go to the U.S. Open, it's not a lot of competition. In sparring, I think there's a thousand people sparring. You know, kids to adults, different age brackets. You know, uh, color belts to black belts to AAA division. And in breaking, I only compete with five to ten people in my division, right? So I don't have to go through ranks and ranks and ranks and ranks and ranks and ranks to get to the the upper echelon to be on stage. We call it the show at the U.S. Open. The U.S. Open show is where you uh, you're on stage and the cameras come up. I, I got some videos on my uh, on my YouTube where it shows the you know the, the show. I call it the show. But uh, I'm not saying it was easy, but I was made for it. Yeah. I don't make any money. Yeah. I lose money. I probably spent $3,000 each time I compete at the U.S. Open. Mm -hmm. right? Right. Staying there, uh, buying the bricks, buying the events, and then the tourist trap that is Disney World. You know, yeah, I'm going to lose a lot of money. I don't make any money at it, but I do it because I love doing it. And my, my greatest... You know, I, I've, I've done some cool things. My greatest accomplishment, and this is what I love and what I need to do is help people and do some more public speaking. I need to do this. Is I got one of my students, Josh Stokes. Uh, I said, you're coming this year. You're coming this year. And he's like, why? He says, I'm not. I'm not going to be doing this forever. I'm too old for this. You got to come. Josh Stokes is this young man. He's got three kids. He came out there and he got five first place trophies at the U.S. Open. My greatest year, I made four. And he got five. So I I, I, Love I, it. I brought my student to take over for him. And then this one guy's yeah. up there and he goes, I'm, I'm coming for you. Last year went there, he goes, I'm coming for you. I'm like, ah, don't worry about me, buddy. Ah. I brought him and go go do that. And he uh, he's gonna take over for me. So Josh Stokes, you will see on ESPN. Awesome. You said that your mentor said money is never the issue. Yes. What context did he say that in? The most literal sense you could find. Money is never the issue. It's most people's, it's most people's mental block. Does that make sense? Yeah. Here's, here's so, what I So let's, let's, let's put some context around it, right? So one is money's never the issue in getting a deal, right? Because you could use Korean financing or other people's money. Like, like kind of give us a few examples. The, the greatest one I can give you is um, when, I, when I joined that, the seven-figure flipping with Bill Allen, he gave me a coach. And this guy is doing 200 houses a year, right? Don Costa, he's got his own, uh, he's got his own flipping company now too, Flip Talk, I think it's called. And this guy uh, got on a meeting with me and my son, you know, and this is, we just spent the money and we're staring at him. You know, the one thing I like about charging whenever I do something from here on in is because people listen more. That's the one thing I learned about martial arts. They gave free martial arts, they didn't show up. When they pay for it, they keep coming. Does that make sense? This guy looks me in the camera and I'm going to try and do it as good as he did. He goes, uh, tell me about your company. How do you do it? How do you finance it? And I go, well, I've, you know, I've done pretty well over the years and I got some money, you know, we, we stay anywhere from 80 to, to $200,000 houses. So, you know, I've been funding them. And he goes like this, stop. And then I said, well, you know, what, you know, what am I gonna do with my money? And, you know, I kind of, I kind of enjoy, stop. <laughs> Yelled at the camera. And I, if, I never will forget that for the day I die. Stop! He yelled at him from California. I was in Michigan, and he He's goes in Fresno area, right? Huh? Yes, yes. And he goes, uh, he goes. Uh, when it's your money, you make poorer decisions. And I said, okay, what am I going to do? And he goes, here's at the time lending home, and they'll evaluate your company and let you know how much line of credit you got. And so. Uh, I said, all right. 
Now, what am I going to do with your money? He goes, anything you want. Go invest in other things like multifamily. That's when I started getting into multifamily. And then uh, they came up to us and they said, because of what you've done, you've been doing this, you've been doing this for 30 years. You kind of know what you're doing. You're, you know, under the tutelage of uh, this, you know, we'll give you a $5 million line of credit. And then you know what he says to me? Don't use them. <laughs> wait, 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 wait a minute. Don, wait, help me out here, sir. Um, I have to listen to you because I paid a lot of money. You told me not to use my money. You told, you gave me them and they're giving me $5 million line of credit you know, for houses and fixing them up and doing them. Great company. Now they're called Kiabi. And uh, you want me to use them. What do you want me to do? He goes, tell your family and friends. I'm like, I don't like asking. I don't like asking for money. I just don't like it. He goes, do it. And I go, why? He goes, because you're helping them out. If you borrow money from your family and friends and you pay them, you know, an interest rate they can't get. Right? We call it hard money lending, but they can't make that money. Olivia, one of our girls, is one of our investors. My daughter's one of our investors. They, they can't put money anywhere that they can make the money with us. He goes, you're helping them out. You're not, you're not doing it for you. And then that's the reciprocity in one of our companies and pulling somebody else up right behind you. So we're doing all the work. They're capitalizing on the money. And uh, it's a, it's what, we, what I love to do whenever I sit down for any meeting, anything we're doing, I want it to be a win, 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 win situation for everybody, or I'm not in it. So our investors win, our contractors win, um, the people that uh, we bought the house from win, and then the people we sell the house to, we build a nice product. We, we rehab a nice product, win. The realtors win, everybody wins in the deal. That's my objective on every deal. Incredible. Michael Menino, thank you for dropping some absolute bombs on us, both in concepts, in quotes, in mentorship that you've gotten. For those of you listening, please take note of what we've talked about today. Write something down. So you could be writing down about how you can use your friend's money to get them wealth. You could be talking about how to have a mindset where you're not in fear, where you let it pass. There's so many things that you can learn from this. Write it down, share it with somebody knows so they can hold you accountable because freedom is acquired one action at a time. And in just a few steps away, you guys will be living a life of freedom and purpose. So thank you guys for tuning in and we'll catch you on the next episode.